Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, I think for me, it was a kind of baseball card. We're all looking for that rare baseball card. Uh And it... And if you can get a playbill of Carrie the Musical, that's worth something. Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Fanatics. Yes, it's true. You're here. We're here. And by we, I mean me, Claire Kramer, along with my co-host, Mr. Jake Marin. Hi. How's everybody doing? I think I think everyone's doing well. I can't quite hear them, but uh, I think they're doing really well. <laughs> well, I'm doing well, Claire, and I'm just excited to be here with you because we have a pretty amazing show today. Yes, we have Alex Wise. He is, first of all, one of the most lovely human beings in the entire planet, I'm pretty sure. He's currently starring on Broadway in Goodnight Oscar alongside Sean Hayes. Wow. He is He's a writer. He's a director. He's an actor. He's a renaissance man. He co-wrote and he directed the film Summoning Sylvia, which you can watch on demand now. He co-created, directed, and starred in the Emmy-nominated series Indoor Boys. Mm. And he's also on The Bold and the Beautiful. Like, First of all, this guy's career is off the charts. But second... Alex is like honestly the nicest person I feel like I've ever met, other than you. If you didn't tell me he had these credits, I would have just thought this was the world's biggest theater fan and the world's biggest like playbills for flaw musical fan because he just has so much passion and love and joy in talking about that. And there's no, I don't know, there's no arrogance to him. He just seems awesome. No, he truly is like bringing me back to my theater roots in my NYU New York City days. Just lovely. And the topic, as you mentioned, is playbills of flapped musicals, but the conversation is much more. The conversation really encapsulates like what theater means, what it means to be an artist and to put everything out there. And when you walk away, what is left? And the playbill, in a way, represents what's left. So anyway, enough about this episode. More about our love for Alex. And uh, why don't you guys take a listen? It is amazing. All right, Alex, let me ask you this. What constitutes a flopped musical to begin with? Oh, my God. See, now that's really up for debate. It is. It really is because, you know, most musicals, uh, most shows that open on Broadway, maybe nine out of 10 shows don't recoup their investment. Mm. And so you could say any of those are technically a flop, you know, (laughs) but 
The thing that I really loved when I was a kid and I was collecting the heck out of these things and I had crates full of these playbills. And, and by things you mean playbills, yes. By things I mean playbills and my virginity. You know, I, I um uh <laughs> you know, I think the thing the thing that I um the, uh, what was the original question? I just derailed myself. What constitutes a flopped musical? But now we're already into like collecting yeah. playbills. So much. Because we're yeah. collecting. This episode is about collecting yeah. playbills from flopped musicals and your fanaticism about right. them. Just for context purposes. Sure. So go ahead. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, so anyway, it, it, it just really means like a, a show that didn't do well. Maybe it had a short run. Maybe it wasn't well reviewed by the critics. Maybe it was scorned by the critics. And and some of these shows are so extreme in what they wish they could have been versus what they became. Some shows that might have run for one performance and lost every single dollar that was invested in them are some shows that were considered to be such terrible pieces of writing, but maybe made it to the stage anyway. And everyone is thinking, how did this thing get to, (laughs) how did this happen? How did so many people say yes? And it only ran for one performance. And there are only a few people in the world who got to see this thing happen. And it's like all of those people who saw this thing happen are in this special club. I guess if I'm (laughs) to give my real diatribe about why I love these things is I think when I was a kid, and I know I'm answering questions that you haven't even asked me yet, but no, I'm it's just like you're reading of... my mind. It's amazing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is the easiest episode ever. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah, I, I think you know when when we are kids, and and for those of us who get into theater, and I've always been such a uh, just a had such a love affair and hate affair with theater. You know, it's it's my my lover and my ex lover all at once. And I feel like when when we get into it, you learn about the shows that were the big hits. You learn, you get into it because you saw Phantom. You get into it because you know all the songs from Rent or whatever your version of that show is. But then there are all these other shows that all these people that hundreds of artists and craftspeople put just as much care and love and heart and, 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 and money and time into these shows that became these one performance or three performance disasters that were hated. But these people cared and loved and believed in their shows just as much. And so we can learn from those shows and we can figure out, well, what went wrong and could we have saved them? What could we have done? And we can see how the artists who were a part of these things grew and, and went on to do other things that became major hits or, or maybe they just came off a major hit and then suddenly a gigantic flop. And then the audiences who were there got to witness a piece of history because they're part of the special club and only a few of us got to see what went on on that stage. Okay, you've sucked me in, and I am as shocked as anybody. Uh, Alex, (laughs) you talk about the crates that you collected as a kid, so this has been going on for quite a while. How did you get started? Because, like, at that age, I imagine most kids are trading magic cards or baseball cards, but you are in horrible musical playbills. So so how'd that happen? 
Well, I think for me, it was a kind of baseball card. We're all looking for that rare baseball card. Uh-huh. And it, and if you can get a playbill of Carrie the Musical, that's worth something. You know, if you can get the, the, the Stephen King-based Carrie the Musical, of which I know every single word, um, mm. <laughs> that ran for, I, I, I think, five performances then, you know, you own a piece of that rare history. And if you can find someone out there in the world, I've met a couple of people along the way now working in theater, as long as I have a couple of people who said, oh, I was there. I was at that first preview. And I get to say, oh my God, tell me about it. Tell me, what was that like? (laughs) And, you know, I think also um, to your point, Jake, I was always that kid who all my friends were really into Rent. My theater friends, they loved Rent. And so I Mm -hmm. said, well, you know what? Screw Rent. I want to be different. (laughs) (laughs) If they all love that, then I will choose to not love it. I mean, all due respect to Rent, which I obviously love and, you know, affected me deeply. But I wanted to find what was what was the special thing that nobody yeah. knew about? What was the thing that could be just mine that I could that that I could be the one who had that proverbial baseball card of? Mm-hmm. Sounds like a treasure, a treasure to me. For people who haven't been to Broadway, which there are, believe it or not, there's some people out there who have not seen a Broadway show. Impossible. I know it seems impossible, but describe <laughs> for those yeah. that have not actually had the chance to go to Broadway, what a playbill is exactly. So that we have the full context of this episode. Oh my goodness, of course. I I mean, it's possible I just really jumped into the deep end here without, That's you know, we do on the, show. the people so. from the shallow end with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, um, when you go to the theater, you get a playbill, meaning it's a booklet of not only advertisements around the vital information, but it has the cover page with this is the name of the show. These are the artists who worked on the show. Here's a bio of every person and, and all of their past credits. Perhaps if it's a musical, here's the song list. Sometimes there might be a director statement. So it's sort of like your intro into this world. When you sit down in your seat, you have a playbill and it's something you can take with you. But it's just that little booklet that says, I was here. Here's who just performed for me. Who's Here, here are the people who created this thing in front of me. And it helps. I think it, it's a really beautiful thing because it helps an audience be a part of the creation of the experience with them. And to show an audience, there are hundreds of people who put their lives on the line to do this thing that you are about to see. So it's really special, I think, to read that playbill and see. And and then you can go through all the bios and say, oh, my God, I saw that show. And I saw that show. Oh, and they did this and this and this. And they're all coming. All these people are coming together and creating this thing in front of me. So it's a it's sort of a roadmap to where you uh, are sitting in your seat today. Do people collect these? And, And are there a market like how valuable are some of these playbills? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons of people collect them. And I'm doing the show Goodnight Oscar. And and when I uh, come out the stage door, there are lots of fans of the show who have their playbills and we sign them after the performance. Mm -hmm. And and so we autograph playbills. And then there's totally a market. I think especially if something is signed or if something is more rare because there aren't as many of them. Like, you know, something like Cats ran for, what, 17 years? So a Cats playbill is not that rare. It might go for 50 cents. (laughs) But something that ran for a performance, now that's a rare playbill. Do you have one of the Carrie playbills? Yeah, which ones do you have, Alex? Talk to us. 
Yeah. Okay. So I so up until uh, the pandemic, I had my crates of playbills. When the pandemic hit, I thought, you know what? It's probably time that I can donate these, and I can. I, I gave them to an organization that wow. uh, was able to sell them um, and and give money to Broadway Cares, which yes. uh, and to uh, the Alley Forney Center and and a bunch of other places like that. So I was happy to Amazing. let things go for a good cause. But I kept a couple of them okay. that were special to me. One of them is for the show Rags, which was a magnificently beautiful musical that I never got to see in its original incarnation as before I was born. It happened in like 1985, 86. And it ran for four performances. And the music is by Charles Strauss, who wrote Annie and Bye Bye Birdie. The lyrics are by Stephen Schwartz, who wrote Wicked and Pippin and Godspell. It's sort of like you could think of it as a continuation of Fiddler on the Roof. So it's after the Jewish immigrants come to America and oh, what wow. their lives are. Yeah. It, and it's a beautiful story about Jewish immigrants trying to make a life for themselves um, in lower Manhattan and you know the many things that happened. The score is one of the best scores ever written, but it only ran for four performances in the mid 80s. It's special to me for two reasons. One of them, actually three. One of them is it's one of my favorite scores ever. Two is that I uh, had a grandmother who was an advertising executive who uh, did just a couple of theatrical productions, and one of them was Rags. Oh, wow. I know. And, and, and Rags was always a real heartbreak for her because she only stepped into theater just a couple of times, and, and she loved it so much, and, and, and it ran for just one weekend. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 12 years old, I did a regional production of Rags. And so, and my grandma got to come see it. And it was just so special to me that I got to share that with her and feel like her history then became my history. And so the Rags playbill is one that I have on my shelf that feels like it has a lot of sentimental value to me. I value love that. To me. I love I that. Love so uh, being a collector, being a theater, you know, attendee for as long as it sounds like you've been living. And same with me. I started going yeah. to Broadway when I was very young. Loved it. The first time you got to put yourself in a playbill for a Broadway production, how much mm. time did it take you to write your bio? And what did you, did you workshop that a lot? How Tell me about the whole process. Oh, yeah. It's funny you ask. I have a little story about that. So my Broadway debut was oh my god what's the what's the year okay wait it was 12 years ago okay oh my god and the first show i was in was called lysistrata jones and i really i think i really got what i asked for from the universe because my first outing on broadway was a flop yeah <laughs> <laughs> we ran for three weeks and it broke my heart. It was mm. a tremendous and heartbreaking experience all at once. And I got to feel all of the things that all these people in all of these playbills from my whole childhood felt. Their dreams coming true, their dreams crashing down. I mean, Lissa Strata Jones is a great show. It had great people involved in it, but this the time the timing didn't mm -hmm. work and people didn't come and they had to close the show. I think I, I in some cosmic way I almost set myself up for the trajectory I, I've been on. Wow. The first time I was in a playbill though was for Lissa Strata Jones, and wow, it was emotional. 
Mm-hmm. And also, here's a little story. I got in a fight with my mother about my bio because <laughs> I, I was trying to be funny because it was so <laughs> it was so major to me that I just had of to course. make a joke about it. Yes. So the first line of my bio was Broadway debut for a little Cleveland Jew. Now, I thought that was so funny. It's cute. My mom did not. Yeah, my mom did not. And my mom was really, really upset with me. So I walked out the stage door. I was like, Mom, I'm on Broadway. And she goes, change your bio immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. I did. And that did not make it to the final playbill once we reached opening night. Uh, but it was extremely emotional to be on Broadway, to be in a bio. I mean, it's, yes. it, it still, to me, is the stuff of dreams. And I'm I'm very overwhelmed. I get to be a part of this whole community and and in any playbill that anybody oh, reads ever. The thing that, that just struck me is like, unlike film and television, the show closes, it's shuttered, it can happen at a moment's notice, and, and all you're left with is the playbill. You don't have digital mm-hmm. copies. Right. Like there's, even if you film theater, it's not the same. It's just mm-hmm. not the same at all. And so right, that, right. like, that really is your tangible, like, walk away. You know, on a set, a film and television set, I never find, like, even rapping. And I've, I've even talked to, like, the cast of Harry Potter, you know, after eight movies and a decade and more of work. And they, they're like, yes, it was really emotional, but we still can go back and revisit everything. We can revisit those moments in time by watching that content. But really with a, with a Broadway show, when it's gone, it's gone. It's done. So that playbill means the world. Like that, that is the memory in a way. Yeah, it's like something to say, hey, I was here. Mm-hmm. I I did that. Um, I'm a, I was a part of something. And that's the best part about theater, I think. It's the saddest part and the most beautiful part is that the moment it happens, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that's why it's so special. Why people go is because they want to catch it while we're while we're here. It's 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 like life, you know. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And do you go to a lot of shows still, and do you grab the playbills... You know, because maybe there'll be a flop. <laughs> um, well, I think I I really exhausted myself in terms of collecting playbills. And, uh, uh, but but I certainly yeah, – <laughs> Great. <laughs> but I, I, I read a playbill cover to cover, and I like to know who is there. I like to know who I am sitting there and honoring and giving my time and attention to and who is who – is, uh, giving me their heart, their performance their And, and it's a beautiful exchange that we get to have. And so reading about these folks and, and uh, only helps to deepen my appreciation of everything that they're doing up on that stage. And yes, I see a ton of theater. I see just dozens of shows every year as much as I possibly can. The interesting thing about the Playbill format is the front cover, it's very traditional, you know, and then you have this little square for the artwork. What is the most intense artwork that you've seen on the cover of a Playbill? 
Wow, intense artwork. I don't know. I mean, what feels intense to me is whenever you, well, this, I think this is intense for a different reason than you're asking. Whenever you see someone's face, like an actor's face on a playbill, the producers have to pay that actor extra money. So I always think about, mm, they're getting paid. They're getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> they got the cover. Then, uh-huh. Yeah, they got the cover. And then I also think, ooh, I don't, is that, that's really interesting. You, you, you have to be careful about putting someone's face on a cover because then it brands the show as the show starring that person. Mm-hmm. So if that person is gone, then it's really hard to get an audience excited. Like something I think really smart that the show Six did is that they're not showing you as talented as those women are who played all those roles. They're not showing you their faces. And that's a really good producerial decision. Mm -hmm. So that way we as a consumer are not associating the show with certain faces. And as a producer, Though I, I mean this not artistically, but like as a producer, those women can be interchangeable and the audience won't be affected by that. Mm-hmm. So that's smart mm-hmm. producing. Yeah. Anyway, that's just something I think about now when I'm seeing yeah. things. Well, you know, also sometimes those little pieces of white paper come that like, you know, they, they talk about the understudies and that kind of thing. Do you keep those or did you keep those? Are you, was that yeah, just like totally. Trash? No, oh, no, that's really that special. It. Yeah. It's part of it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like one of my favorite theatrical experiences is I went to go see uh, the show Proof, um, which is the great David Auburn play. And I saw it when the when the late Anne Heche was starring in it, but her mm-hmm. understudy was on. And I'm blanking on the woman's name, forgive me, but there was a woman who played the lead role that afternoon. We didn't know she'd be going on, but it was her Broadway debut. And she stepped onto that stage and gave the performance of her life. I mean, left everything out there, like her guts and her tears. And like, it, it was the most riveting. Sp- and you could tell every member of that audience felt like, oh my God, we are here for something so special. That Like this woman is living at a 10 right now and we are here for it. <laughs> and uh, how lucky are we to be witnessing this moment in time for her? The, the weird audience too. That is so, that is like such a point. I'm like tearing up thinking about that. Like, and the fact that she got yeah, to go great. on and she nailed it and pulled it off and every, like, there's so many components to live theater, you know, obviously, you know, but right. to lead a show like that, to step into that type of understudy role, it's not, you're not swinging for just anyone. It's Anne Heche and people are coming to watch her and to be able to exactly. pull that off and have, have, people have that be almost the preferred performance to witness, you know, that's amazing. Yeah, that's well said. And also I can tell you like from the perspective of an actor, when there's an understudy who goes on stage, suddenly every actor on that stage has to wake up in a really Mm -hmm. intense way. We have to, you have to make sure that your teammate is where they are and they're suddenly saying lines that affect you in new ways. And so just everyone is so much more alive when there's a new person on stage and it becomes a very, very special singular kind of experience. Mm -hmm. It's not robotic. Yeah. It's all in the moment. You got to react. Totally. So you mentioned you held on to the the rags playbill. What other ones have made, made the cut 
to stay in the Alex collection? <laughs> uh, um, I'd probably have to go over to my bookshelf, but let's see. I've always had an affinity for Carrie the musical. Carrie is well regarded as as maybe the king, or rather, should I say, the queen of flop musicals. Wow. I mean, it is as brilliant as it was problematic. It was this <laughs> mix. It was like it, it it existed everywhere on the on the New York uh, magazine approval matrix. It just existed in every box. I just uh, I just imagine like them dropping blood on the audience. That's all I really imagine. Uh, if only that budget were there, but instead, <laughs> you know, the show, but instead they, uh, it was really very strange because they, they took uh, this show and they set it in what looked like a, I don't know, like a hospital kitchen or something and just white, white walls everywhere. It was like an asylum or like, you know, giant white stairs. It was all, it didn't, it wasn't really based in reality. And the ensemble dancers who are all amazing, they're all wearing these like white togas. And like, it, it just, it didn't, it, it was a really strange artistic vision. And it was all mixed in with some searingly beautiful music and these powerful performances from Betty Buckley and Lindsay Hadley and and Darlene Love and like these just there there was the, it was there's brilliance and there was madness all <laughs> happening at once. It, it sounds to me like you saw it in a past life. That's what it seems like, I, I Alex. Mean, to to admit, you know, I I have listened to the bootlegs. I have seen video footage. I I have the souvenir program on my shelf. I have you know that was one that like that really felt like. Uh, you know, I, I hear I own the program of the of the Queen flop, <laughs> but I and love it. it. I love yes. it so much. It's amazing. Is there ever going to be a place for a revival of? I mean, are they ever going to do it right? Can it ever come around? They did uh, do a revival. I want to say in 2012, it happened off Broadway. It was more of a revisal uh, in that they revamped a lot of the material and tried some new things and tried to set it more in a grounded place. I saw it four times. Um, <laughs> and, um, and in many ways, it was wonderful. And there were so many great people in it. And it was also still Carrie the Musical. And it was, it's, you know, it was just wild. It was wild and, and really cool that people were still trying to excavate this material for all that it could be. It's so fun the way theater is so alive in that uh, it's never really finished it's only ever abandoned. Mm -hmm. And so you can always take something that happened a long time ago and see what else it could become. I mean, we see that happen all the time with these revivals that are uh, even of successful shows like Camelot. There's a new production with a whole new book, which means a whole new script of the musical. And, and they're essentially redoing the whole thing. And they tried to do the same with, with Carrie to, you know, other people have their opinions about what it was, but you know what? I had the best time. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. So when you are in quest of a certain playbill, let's say, let's say you see yeah. a piece of theater and you're like, I, I absolutely have to have that put to put in my collection. Where do you go? Is there like a Facebook page for playbill collectors? Is there, I mean, I know there oh, used gosh. to be, what was the bookstore called? The Strand? It was The Strand, right? On like the second floor yeah, yeah. in Times Square. They used to have a whole huge playbill section. I don't know if they still do anymore, but where do you go, Alex, to find what you need? 
Well, I'd say back in the day uh, when I was really doing this, I was hanging out on eBay quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> eBay is where I found all my friends. Um, and uh, these days, though, I just I go to the shows that I want to see. And I'm very lucky to live in New York and see as much theater as I do. And also, now that I work in the theater, I honor that uh, the show is over. And so is my relationship with said playbill and i can let that go and now really the only playbills on on my shelf are are the ones that i'm in because those are important for me to save mm-hmm. and remember that i get to be a part of theater history too absolutely absolutely what about if let's just hypothetically go back to your collector days for a moment okay uh <laughs> if you saw the same show twice but different casts do you save both yeah, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> I probably, I, I probably would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, each one is its own. I mean, each one lives in a different climate. Each one speaks a different language. You know, <laughs> they're 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 different citizens that deserve their own their own space on the playbill shelf. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because maybe uh, those replacements are people who whom I want to remember and who will go on to do other things and and I want to be able to refer back. I will say though with uh these days with the internet, I think a lot of my playbill uh hoarding is is a little more obsolete in that they're so well documented now online. But that's okay. I mean, you know, I think what I'm talking about still very much exists with a lot of collectors out there. And uh and I also am just thankful that that they are online and can be shared as widely as they are. And hopefully theater can keep reaching more people this way. Mm-hmm. Let's go back a sec to when you were a kid and you're collecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to get one of your playbills signed? Yeah. I think I was pretty overwhelmed. And I always felt like I didn't ever want to intrude on anyone's space. and yeah. I, But I just wanted to tell people how much their work meant to me. And I think I'm not much different now. I don't want to get in anyone's way, but I I get to meet a lot of people now and tell them how much their work still means to me. And so I think getting a signature on my playbill felt like an extension of the exact same thing of, of me saying to someone, I see you for your work. I thank you for your work. And then they can, in signing my playbill, it feels like, and I see you too. And I thank you for being here. Yeah. I mean, going to my adult days now, that's sort of what I am trying to do is to just say to everyone, thank you for being here. Thank you for seeing me. I see you. I thank you for coming to the show. It's what it feels like. It feels like a sort of exchange of gratitude. Yeah. And all those playbills that I had as a kid that were signed, I actually do still have a few of those on my shelf when I was 10 years old. And, you know, people would say to Alex, oh gosh, like one I had from um, Anthony Rapp, who was the original Mm. star of Rent. Mm -hmm. And he uh, wrote me a note, which I still remember, which says, dear Alex, I hope to get the chance to sing some of your songs one day. Take care, Anthony Rapp. Oh, my. Wow. Come on, dude. Right. That's majorly inspiring. It was huge for me. And and one of those things that, uh, that I would think, too, about, like, oh, my God, someone who I respect, who I deem as one of the greats, sees me as someone who could be their equal one day. 
And so that's something that has kept me going. And, and I really do my best to esteem those people who look up to me when that happens. And I think there's even like another layer if I want to call back to like the original sort of idea was flopped playbills, but there's something oh, yeah. really special about acknowledging that work to the same extent for something that didn't work out. Because as an artist, oh. especially in theater, you're leaving it out there. You're putting your vulnerability just out there for everyone to see. So to have it fail and to still have artistic acknowledgement and and value to another, you know, artist, right? Something along those lines, don't you think? I really do. Okay, like I was at a very fancy gala last night with a lot of impressive people in the theater. And uh, I was there with a dear friend of mine. And he he told me this story, but he's like the same as I am. He was talking to a woman, uh, a costume designer named Susan Hilferty. Susan Hilferty is the costume designer of Wicked. Mm -hmm. So she's done quite well for herself and her costumes are widely seen and known. But she also designed the costumes for um, a musical called Lestat, which was an Elton John written Dracula musical uh. that did not do well. That is regarded as a, a notorious flop. <laughs> and my buddy was telling, he was telling me, I was like, he was like, man, I was talking to Susan Hilferty. And she was like, yes, yes, I'm the costume designer of Wicked. And he was like, no, 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 let's talk about Lestat. Because that show happened at a pivotal moment and me falling in love with theater and I, and she was like, really, thank you. Let me tell you stories about Lestat. And then she got <laughs> to sit there and talk to my, my buddy about, um, you know, all the, the misadventures of what was happening around that show and, oh, and why that song is the way it is. And, and, and it was like this window into theater history because of the appreciation for that thing that, and she cared just as deeply about Lestat as of she does course. about Wicked. It's just Wicked became yeah. Wicked and Lestat, you know, yeah played where it played. Yeah. No, amazing. I, I think that that's so poignant to hear. And I, I wish I was at that gala, but that's another podcast. It was quite a gala. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, okay, Alex, please, if you would, regale us with a love letter to Playbills from Flopped Musicals. Oh, my gosh. I didn't have time to write, but I will do my best. Okay. <laughs> Dear Flop Musical Playbills, Thank you for making me feel like I am a part of a special club. And thank you for teaching me that just as much love is put into those shows as is put into the biggest hits known in the theatrical canon. And thank you for giving me this uh, roadmap for uh, how to live a life full of passion. Love, Alex. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thank you. 
That was like a little trip down memory lane for me, Jake. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I I absolutely love Broadway. I love theater. I grew up going in New York City to a lot of theater. And it just, it brought back so many memories. I too love playbills. <laughs> See, I was on the opposite side. I, I didn't go to a lot of musicals, you know, from Texas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went to New York, but it's not like I got to go to musicals all the time or or studied them and and to hear about the passion that Alex has for all these these little giant productions with hundreds of people who put their love heart and soul into something and it just goes away after one performance or 3 weeks i mean that's just that's heartbreaking claire well i mean it's that is the theater though the theater is yeah <laughs> the theater's there to break your heart and also you know make you happy it's there's something about living and breathing and experiencing emotions and and suspension of disbelief being in a live theater versus being in a movie theater. And I totally oh, yeah. understand why that would all like dial down to collecting of the one piece of takeaway you get, the playbill. I uh, I was a big uh, card collector. So I mm. I understand the hunt. I understand the desire to get autographs. I remember meeting my quote-unquote heroes, you know, when I was a kid who were just towered above me. So hearing Alex's stories about, uh, uh, you know, meeting one of his heroes mm-hmm. and getting the autograph that inspired him to go further, I mean, that just, it hit me. It hit me oh, right yeah. hard, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's waiting by the stage door and and getting that that interaction. It's really, I think what I was hearing from Alex and I think it would, it was probably the same for me. The interaction is more important than the autograph. The autograph is just a conduit for the interaction. You know what I mean? But then it becomes Mm -hmm. a piece of the souvenir, a piece of the playbill. And, you know, I do remember back in the day, New York has changed a lot since I was there for college. I mean, it's been a while since I've lived there, obviously, but I do remember there was like a secondhand market for playbills. Like guys on the street would have, you know, the the sheet down and all the playbills on it. And you could be like, oh, that, that. You know, it was the same of like the bootleg of the actual shows, which you could <laughs> also purchase, uh-huh. <laughs> which were uh-huh. always hilarious. And the bootleg of the movie. And these were the type of bootlegs back in the day where literally the bootleg would be a guy with a camera. <laughs> Shaky <laughs> hand. Shaky camera. Yeah. People just come in and, front like, of you. Walk by. Yeah. And like, you're like, this bootleg Cost. sucks. But they knew they'd like, never find you'd never find the person you bought it from again. So like no. you literally it's five bucks. Well, like, sometimes I wonder why did they even put a movie on there? Just sell a tape. No one's gonna know till they get home and they're never gonna find that vendor again. So Yeah. I don't know. I'm digressing no. into like No, no, it's 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 all the fun of the theater and, and the joy and the experience and all these crazy characters that come around it and and that's what really hits me, just like my love for cards and sports figures when I was young. It just, I remember the feeling of just being around and collecting things and feeling like you were a part of something. And it, it really came through and it hit me when Alex said that. And it's so cool that Alex loves the theater because he's, like, he's currently starring on Broadway in Goodnight Oscar with Sean Hayes. I mean, like, what? Yeah. And he still has this much love for shows and he still has this much passion for meeting people when he's now a star. And I just wish him nothing but success because he's just 
Wonderful. He is the nicest guy in the entire world. And speaking of cast of crazy characters, Jake, we've uh, we've got a lot of episodes of fanatics, and I wouldn't go so far as to say our guests are crazy characters, but you know, maybe that maybe some of them are. Uh, <laughs> You, I can say Jake is for sure. You can say one. There's, there's one. There's one it's crazy me. character. He there's a through line of he's the great equalizer of all the fanatics episodes, and that is Jake Marin. Anyway, if you want to check him out, listen at wearefanatics.com. We are fanatics on Twitter. And let us know your thoughts. You know, tweet us. Leave something in the comments. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, and we always say sharing is caring. So be sure to share this episode or another of your favorites with a friend. Let's do it. Bye, guys. And before you guys go, coming up next week on Fanatics, we have Angela Kinsey from The Office and The Office Ladies podcast. She is such an amazing human being. I love her. And she's coming on to talk about her love of hummingbirds, which she calls her friends. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.